Ministry Mentorship, Episode 29. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started, I'd like to let you know about our next Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study on the 28th of this month. That's on a Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And our guest speaker is Rachel Caltharp from Aurora, Illinois. I know this is going to be an exciting event that you won't want to miss, so please mark your calendars and make plans to be a part of this. You can find out more about this Bible study by going to ministrymentorship.com backslash Bible study. You can also help us spread the word about ministry mentorship by liking or tweeting this interview. Your help is greatly appreciated as we endeavor to connect apostolic leaders with young people. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Pastor Art Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the International Church in Detroit, Michigan. He's a passionate soul winner who has a love for the truth and for the lost. You feel his burden and his passion to see all people come to salvation. And I know this interview is going to challenge you to do more for God in your own ministry. Well, let's join the conversation now. Let's go ahead and get started then. We're here today with Pastor Art Wilson from the International Church of Metro Detroit, and he is a 20-year ministry veteran and is just having a great uh, move of God in their city and is passionate about the things of God. Brother Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, praise the Lord. So glad to be with you, Brother Tapia. It's just wonderful. Now, Brother Wilson, tell us a little bit about your story. Well, um, it's pretty awesome how God's worked in my life. God saved me off of the uh, streets of Flint, Michigan. I was not raised in church, but I I come into church as a young person. Um, Late teens, early 20s, came right into the the church, and... um, me and my fiance looking for more of God, and when we got in, got connected to a good church, South Flint Tabernacle, our pastor, Robert Henson, took us under his wing and really, really poured into us and mentored us and developed us, and from there, God really began to open doors for us. I've worked in several key ministries that I feel that shaped my ministry that I'm working in today. Now... How did you first get started in ministry? Well, it's kind of interesting. When I was um, a young man, I I approached my pastor and asked him if there was anything he needed done in the church. And he said he'd keep me in mind. And then it wasn't but a short time after that, one of the ministries that nobody was really interested in was available. It was going out to the juvenile homes and ministering to the young prisoners in the detention centers. And... We had nobody going out there, and it was a ministry that happened in our church before, but the interest was, uh, wasn't was there. So it was pretty amazing when I got that opportunity. I went right out there. I went out to the detention centers and the prisons by myself as a young man, and it was absolutely terrifying. But through that experience, <laughs> I'm telling you, 
God opened doors. We went out there. I remember going out to that prison and the, the, the jailers letting me in, looking at me going, what is this young man doing here? Wow. I said, I'm here to minister on behalf of Southland Tabernacle. Went in there, started knocking on jail cells, telling people it's time for church. And uh, I didn't know what to do, but uh, one or two people came out and sat just because they were shocked that I was there in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but a long story short, uh, that is how I got started in ministry because as a result, we ended up getting legal access into that prison to do wow. baptisms. We had we had hundreds get the Holy Ghost. We baptized many people, and that ministry grew, and people joined in and bought in, and it became a full service. And that was my very beginning aspect. And so then I got into violence and bus ministry, and and uh, the doors really opened for me when I got invited to come in and work in the youth department. That's where I started getting more and more opportunities to minister. Wow, and that's and that's probably played into your whole ministry too. I know some of those early experiences really have an impact on on how you feel about people and kind of what your passion is. Tell us a little bit about your passion. Well, being from the world, I had a huge passion for the, the lost, for reaching mm. out to people. And it just, it, it was, it's one of those burdens where you know there's nothing out there. And when you get into the church, there is a, you know, you see that, that curiosity, especially with the young people. Yeah. You know, each, is this really it? Are, you know, are they really um, telling us the right things, keeping us from these things or whatever? And um, I, I had a huge burden to just transmit information to the young people that there's nothing out there for them, but also reaching out into the world and, and, and pulling people out of that environment. And it's been my passion, which when I became youth leader in our church, it, it it just really exploded. We took over a youth group at only about 10 or 15 young people. But by the end of it, we had had services with over 180 young people, a part of our youth group in wow. just a few years, because we really went out and got these kids off the streets. And a lot of those yeah. kids are being used mightily in that church even today. So it was all from a, a strong desire for soul winning. Talk a little bit about your family and and how how they're connected in the church as well. Well, my wife, we both came to church engaged, and uh, it was a unique experience. Uh, we come seeking more more stability, mm -hmm. and she, I brought her to church, and she got saved before I did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she become she become the person really telling me I need to get with the program at <laughs> yeah. the very beginning. It, it took me some time to get the Holy Ghost, and she got it. I mean, right away, and mm. I was seeking, seeking, seeking the, the Holy Ghost. So, uh, but my wife is a strong woman of God. She has her own walk with God. She is passionate. She's an incredible soul winner. She teaches. She teaches Bible studies every week without fail. She has her own prayer life. She. She is passionate about ministry and music, and God really developed her. And it's really important to have that kind of that kind of spouse 
with, that has a walk with God. Yeah. And, and it was just a blessing because when we came into church, it wasn't just me. She was absolutely ready to come in, and she took off and did great things in the ministry wow. as well. So then we had three daughters, um, Allura, Mariah, and Michaela, and they all came on the scene, and every one of them are powerfully used of God. And we we kind of we kind of based our home around serving the Lord, devotions, mm. convictions, and of course they were perfect kids, but they are really being mightily used of God, and we're just very blessed, very blessed to have the family we have. That's great. You you mentioned Brother Henson earlier. Who were some of the other uh, influential people in their life, and how did they have an impact on you? Well, Brother Henson, my pastor, is probably the most powerful Bible teacher on the planet, and he is a devoted prayer warrior. And his development of me is it was just incredible. And just through his his impact on my life, I was. I was basically propelled into opportunities like um, district youth department, got to work on that area, got to work in a lot of areas with home missions. Mm-hmm. And through that, I came in contact with other incredible people of God who literally we, we got connected. For example, I got connected with Brother Lee Stone King at a very young age when I went to Kent Christian College. He was a professor there. And sure. From then, I just was completely gravitated to that man of God, and we um, we had a great relationship develop. He is one of my closest friends and my dearest mentor. He spends we spend quality time together on a weekly basis, devotions over the phone, things of that nature. And um, he has mentored me. And Brother Stone King is a mentor of young men, but he just yes. loved and connected to us. He pretty much have been a key part of our life since me and Beth have been young people. He comes to our home and he spends time with us and we have a great conference together every year at our church that he has committed himself to be a part of every year. And he has poured into me. Then there's uh, Bishop Stan Gleason, who has been an incredible leader in my life. And of course, missionary-wise, Brother C.P. Thomas, who has been an incredible influence in keeping Mm. me keeping me connected to the gifts and movings of the Spirit and the, the deep things of God. And there's been a lot of men in our lives that has reached out to us. Those three men have really helped us along with my pastor. And it's just a great relationship I haven't built around me. One of the men that I really want to mention is Prophet Eli Hernandez as well. Mm-hmm. He, he has been connected to my church and us since we were young people. We got connected through to him through our home church because he was very close with Brother Henson. But he, we speak also weekly. So there's a number of men that are incredibly powerful that are in our lives. Now, I'm hearing that there's some these connections that have been made, and, and you've mentioned a couple different areas. First of all, you mentioned your home church, and then you also mentioned uh, when you were at college, at Bible school, Talk to that young person right now that's saying, you know, Brother Wilson, I'd, I'd love to have uh, some of those kind of connections in my life. How do I develop that? How do I find those mentors in my life? Well, it's very important 
first of all, that we're connected to our pastor. He is our number one influence in our life. But then there are going to be men and mentors that are out there that are incredibly gifted that you want to get connected to. I suggest every young man invest in some kind of a graduate education as far as Bible college goes. Now, I did I did most of my Bible college, some I did on campus, but I did most of my Bible study in Bible college as an as a Excel program or online mm-hmm. because I was a working um, a working student. Sure. So it's sometimes it's hard for most the majority of us have to come up with alternative ways. But if you can get to some kind of conferences and meetings where even though you may not get to connect with some of these men on a personal level, you'll get their anointing and their heartbeat. That'll all be poured in you by getting to under them and sitting at their feet and hearing them teach. And miraculously God will connect you with people as you look and pray for mentors. Like, for example, I remember me and Beth were praying that God would connect us with men that are connected to God in a special way, like in the gifts of the Spirit, because we believe in the fivefold ministry. And uh, we prayed for that for years as young people and sought that, and it was one of the things we were constantly looking for. And through the years, we got connected to men, but eventually we got connected to the right people for us. And uh, that is what's really important is that you're connected to the right people for you that you click with, that you really feel comfortable with, and that they love and will give extra time to you. That's so true. And 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 I appreciate what you said about the aspect of prayer. I mean, we can try to do things on our own abilities, and sure, we can connect with people, but when we seek after God and really try to find his direction, he plugs us into the right relationships. And, and I think that's so important as well. Thank you for bringing that out. Well, you know, like concerning that, um, Brother Toppy, I tell you, um, I have seen our, our younger generation, you know, become more business minded in the church where they're looking for opportunities mm-hmm. that are more opportunistic looking for things that are that are constructive to put together and they're not really seeking God's face and they're mm. really they're really actually becoming more political mm. about these things, getting connected to God and even their future. And I'm gonna tell you, that will crash and burn. Yeah. And I've had a lot of young people kinda of ask me, even when it comes to church planning, different questions, and I'm thinking, and I even mentioned to them, because I'm very vocal with telling people the truth, I tell them, say, listen, you, it has to be a God thing. Right. And you can, and the the aspects, because I'm a business major, the aspects of the world and business does not transfer over to the church. They are two totally different kingdoms. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you're ever going to do a work for God in any way, you have to get that understanding that I can't go to some help group and get everything. I might get a few little nuggets. That is not the answer. (laughs) The answer is on your knees. That's good. Talking to a mighty God. (laughs) That's good. Amen. Now, we've already talked about a few things here that, that are just very impacting. But what other advice can you give to a young minister that feels a call to ministry? 
Oh, my. You know, the number one need I see with young people, and this is my passion, if I could say anything correctly, I want to be careful and say this correctly. Brother Captain. Sure. The number one need for young people is to get a passion for souls. Mm. You see, this, this will, sometimes I notice that there's young people that are looking for everything about ministry except soul winning. They, they, they want the preaching. They want the, they want the, uh, the power. They want the authority. They want the advertisement. They want to be promoted. But, this is all about souls. Without souls, there is no kingdom. And we have got to get back to soul winning. If I was to speak to any young person, I would tell them, find a place and win a bunch of souls. Mm. That's where the anointing is. That's where the influence is. Because position isn't really power. There's people that have position that, that nobody really wants to, to hear from them until it's concerning that position. You know, what, what really is power is the influence in the spirit, and people can identify that you have something, and all of that comes from being a soul winner. All of the people always ask me, well, well, how do you, how do you feel that, you know, you got this and this in the spirit, things of that nature? I'm like, it's all, it all originates from me being a soul winner. Hmm. Winning souls when nobody's looking, having a yeah. passion for souls. It's, it's not even about people knowing it. We've I've won probably hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of people to the Lord, but I would have done that if nobody cared, right. because it's about lost, and that's where your anointing will be. That's where your power will be. God doesn't give you anything you don't need. That's the problem. He doesn't waste things. He don't just give right. you stuff so that you can glow. Satan wanted to glow and shine and reflect the glory. God, that's not that's not of God. God wants to give you things to fulfill needs. If there's people hungry, He'll multiply the fish. Mm. Kids are like, I see. I want to be using the gifts of the Spirit. Well, you haven't even been in a situation. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see somebody raised from the dead. Well, are you walking the streets of India? That's <laughs> you know, good. Is that you know, it, it, so to cut it short, the, the real big deal is we've got to get involved in the harvest and do some real passionate and transparent and pure soul winning. That's very true. And, and I, I appreciate what you said at the beginning. Uh, when you really got started, it seemed like what I heard was that you, you went to ministries that maybe had, I wouldn't say died, but there was no passion for it and you begin to work and operate in those areas. I think sometimes as young people, uh, we, we look for uh, things that are already happening, and we want to try to get plugged in, and I think that's fine, but I also think there's a place for looking around and saying, what can I start, or what ministry can I, can I pick up that maybe someone has lost the passion for, and not you know try to make a big deal about it, but just get in and just start laboring and working. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh, I, I agree with that a million percent, and I passionately preach it to probably a fault, is the fact that, you know, God wants us to fulfill needs. That is the most important thing for the kingdom, and sometimes we get behind somebody that's doing great things so that some of that will rub off on us, and we can tell people who we are identified with. Well, I'm, I'm friends with this, 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 this. I'm friends with them, 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 and them. I go to this church when you could go start a church. 
Mm. And through the power of God, that church will be a great church. Amen. We need some more trailblazers that, you know, but, but trailblazing is not popular because it brings a lot of criticism, you know, it brings right. a lot of, and you really don't get any glory. That's where we're at. <laughs> we're at a glory-seeking generation, and you really don't get a lot of glory saying, you know, I'm going to go over and work in the jails, or I'm going to go knock doors, or I'm going to go pick up a bunch of people that are in the doubt it out in the, in the local neighborhood. If, if a young person want to do want to do something really impactful, they'll get in a, involved in a ministry that's really going to make a difference. That'll be doing something that nobody else is connected to, or doing something that's failing. Hmm. Well, and and you know that's hard work. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in order to have a successful ministry. Uh, it doesn't just happen in one day. It's all it's a it's a combination of a lot of these things that you're talking about, laying the foundation uh, of of loving the lost, reaching out, and uh, really trying to be involved. And I think that's very important. Now you you're pastoring a, a multicultural church in Michigan in in Detroit Metro. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening at your church. Give us a little bit of a feel for that kind of atmosphere. Well, I know it's quite unique because, you know, in, our, in the day we're in, we're trying to transition, you know, into these areas. And when we, we, we are church planners. We started the church we pastored uh, in November of 2000. So now we're, we're about 13 years into it. We mm-hmm. came to the city. There was nobody in our city. There was no church that had been there or any of that stuff, we went to completely barren, virgin territory. And um, that's just the way I wanted it. Yeah, I didn't want to have to deal with anybody. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's just me. The, the, the Lord, but, but the Lord was in it. He called me to the Metro Detroit area. I was evangelizing for Bishop Nix. I had been with him for months. And we were, I was helping um, Bishop William Nix um, with some things, jail ministries and creations of different nonprofit things. And while I was there, we were preaching a little bit around, and I was driving through one of the worst parts of Metro Detroit, and God spoke to me in a voice. I'll never forget it because I don't have many of those experiences. Hmm. And I will never forget it. He said, this is where I want you to be. Wow. And I was so, so moved. I got out of my car, pulled right into the gas station, walked in the gas station. I said, what area is this? And they basically told me, and I, I knew Metro Detroit because I come from Flint, but this little area I was not familiar with. And from that moment, I, I said, I, you know, I consulted with a pastor, consulted with Brother Stone King. They all said, make it happen. Yeah. And it was it was from that moment that we started working with no saints. We showed up in that area. There was nobody there. city wasn't impressed at all. It was just us. <laughs> And and I remember praying. I even put this in a in a little book I wrote for my thesis on the diversity harvest. I remember praying for our area, and I said, God, I don't want a church that is not going to look like what the church is going to be in heaven. I want a multicultural church. I don't want a monocultural church. I don't want one type of race, one type of ethnicity. I want everybody in this church. I said, we're going to work very hard intentionally to make that happen. 
and and I felt just a touch from the Holy Ghost that that is exactly what God wants to hear. So we went around reaching intentionally on purpose. Everybody, we even we even spoke it to people. We want an international multicultural church. That's how the name the International Church of Metro Detroit was born. We making a statement. And we have never received so many compliments in any part mm. of our ministry from the, the community of how the thing they know the most and recognize the most about our church is that everybody's there. And we really do. We have over 10 or 11 cultures in our church, which is big for Metro Detroit. On my staff, there's there's a number of various cultures. On my immediate ministerial staff, we intentionally speak that vision but it came from just really reaching out to people of every culture, telling them, mm-hmm. "You want to be a part of a, you want to be a part of a multicultural church." That's what we're doing. Believe it or not, not a lot of people are, are voicing that, so people haven't heard that, and when they hear right. it, they get excited. Wow, that's awesome! When, so, you really felt this from the beginning to have this kind of a ministry, this kind of a, and, and I heard you use the word intentional. Uh, and I think that was in this context. But talk about having that intentionality and how how uh, even as young people, we can start thinking about this and even try to incorporate this into our ministry. Well, you get what you preach. I really believe that. And you also get what you are informed about. And I think we need to get more information about one another. I think if you're really sure. serious, about a multicultural church, we need to connect with people that are doing it. And we have a lot of people in our organization that are doing it, and they are doing it well. We need to go on a pilgrimage and find out what is happening. Get in that church service and inhale that atmosphere and get that vision. It's like a vision that comes to you, and it's like a favor. It's like a spiritual thing when you cross over to going, it's about everybody. Yeah. And then when you start preaching that, it really gets really gets contagious. And if I'm a young person to do it all over again, I would do it all the same. I would really get all the information I can on cultures. I'll surround myself with friends of other cultures so that you become more comfortable around everybody. I have, if you notice the names I mentioned, Jacob, it would it would be interesting to go back and think. I have Stone King, mm-hmm. I have C.P. Thomas, Eli Hernandez. Mm. So we have all these different uh, cultures that are right in my mentorship. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And 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 so it, it keeps me completely comfortable and familiar with everybody. And also, it makes an incredible statement to our church because they visit us every year, every one of them does. Brother Gleason visits us every year, Brother Stone King, Brother Hernandez, Brother C.P. Thomas, they all visit us every year. And of course, my pastor, when he has time. So so we have this ongoing uh, diversity in our pulpit. So that's how we push it. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. And and I, I see uh, that there are more conferences that are coming forward and more ministries. I know uh, even in our organization, in the United Pentecostal Church, I see a, a shift and a movement towards 
connecting these different cultures and really trying to appreciate uh, that diversity. Now, you know, we're not talking about doctrinal diversity. We're talking about cultural diversity and just the different, uh, I want to say, flavors uh, of, of people's personalities and people's uh, ways of doing things. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's important. That's how the early church was. They, there were many different nationalities in the early church. And, and I appreciate that ministry. Thank you for, for sharing that with us today. And you know, also, if I could just insert, uh, even when the Latter-day explosion happened in America with Azusa, it was a multicultural explosion. In a time when you would not think something like that was possible, God made it possible. Mm. That's that's incredible. That's a great thought. And, and, you know, even if you think back on, on, uh, even in the apostolic movement, all throughout the uh, the civil rights movement and, and all these things, even in our church uh, here in Belleville, the uh, blacks and whites worshiping together. I mean, that's just commonplace. And in the church, I've heard uh, this saying before that the color line is replaced by the bloodline. And there is no wow. black or white, red. or There is no color in the church. It's it's uh, people that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm I'm thankful for that. Uh, in the apostolic movement, we have men that are reaching out and developing these cultures, and I think this would be great for young people to explore as well. Oh, absolutely. I wonder in closing if you could just say a prayer over that young person right now that, that maybe even while we're talking, they're, they're feeling like God is, is calling them into a multicultural ministry to maybe that's not even missions. It could be in North America. It could be in their local church. It could be somewhere, a community that maybe that they've seen and they felt impressed uh, to minister in a certain area. But I wonder if you just pray for that young person right now that feels like God is leading them deeper in their ministry. I would be happy to. I would be happy to. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every young person that is seeking to serve you and to worship you and to commit their life in ministry. I pray, God, that you give them a clear direction, a clear vision, and a clear understanding. I pray for their passion. What we need today, Lord, is pure passion out of our young people because this is one of the most talented and gifted generations of all time. And I pray, Lord, that you would ignite that passion in them to get back to the basics of serving God and fulfillment of ministry. And I pray, God, that the voices of distraction that the enemy is placing strategically in the way of this generation, that it would be removed in the name of Jesus so that young people everywhere can see what we see and they can get started now for this last day revival that is to come. I pray the return of the gifts of the Spirit, the fivefold ministry, pure accountability, pure submission to come over the hearts of young people, and that we would forget about self and self-promotion and get back to the grassroots of getting our hands dirty for the glory of the only one that deserves the glory, and that is you, God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray. Amen. 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 Well, Brother Wilson, thank you so much for sharing your passion. Your heart be with us, and I can feel that coming through in, in, in just this conversation that we've had. And 
and uh, thank you for joining us today. Honor, my pleasure, Brother Tappy. I appreciate you much, and keep up this incredible ministry. We are behind you. You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com, where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop in your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.